Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. Today, Pastor CJ continues with the series, Lessons from the Heroes. Pastor CJ will speak to you today on the lessons we can learn from Moses' life. Moses had to leave the safe zone, the comfort of Pharaoh's palace, to enter the faith zone. Are you willing to leave the safe zone, to take a risk, in order to experience new thrills, new adventures, or new journeys? We hope you enjoy this message. You know, I want to talk to you today. If you have your sermon notes, I'll pull them out today. And I just want to get into it right away. Uh, lessons from the heroes. And uh, I want to tell you about my hero. Obviously, my ultimate hero is my wife. I, I am so grateful for my wife. She is uh, my rock. She's my support. She is my, my hero. She is there for me. She stuck with me through the thick and thins of uh, my life. And she's been there. And I, I am so grateful for my wife and her strength. She is, she is stronger than, than I, I can even imagine. Uh, my, my wife is just amazing to me. She's there to support me. She's my Aaron and my her. But uh, I want to talk to you about one that really taught me as a, as a young man. Many of you know that uh, maybe some of you don't, but I had three fathers and three mothers. And growing up, my life was really in disarray. It was really uh, disarray. It was really scattered all over because when my first father left, my second father came in. After my second father came in, my third father came in. And at the same time, my fathers were coming in, new mothers were coming in. So I was really kind of growing up in a confused state. I was really kind of not really knowing what a father image was, what a dad image was, or that kind of thing. And so my hero is my grandfather. Uh, when I would uh, grow up, I was when I was growing up, I would go to the farm during the summer times. I would work, I'd be in the in Racine, the you know eight eight months out of the year. The other months, I'd be up at the farm farming and helping my grandfather milk and and hay and and do the, all the crop work and everything that needed to be done. But my grandfather, he lived to be 96 years old, and he taught me a lot of life life lessons. Because of the fact of seeing disarray in my home, I really never really knew how to treat people. And if you believe it or not, I, I was a very angry, angry young man. I really sincerely was. I was full of anger. I was a second in a gang and all these things, and we beat people pretty bad. And I, I was very fortunate that I never had a chance to go to jail. Thank you, Jesus, for that. But my grandfather and I, while we would be milking two times a day, 5 o'clock in the morning, we call the cows out from the field, we put them in their stanchions, we feed them, we'd milk them. And while we were doing the milking, we would sit and wait for the milkers. Before that time, we would milk by hand. Fifty Holstein cows, we would milk by hand until they moved on up. I thought we were the Jeffersons, and we moved on up, you know what I'm saying? And we got milkers. And uh, so while the cows were being milked, my grandfather and I would lean on the barn door. We had one one of those split barn doors, you know, you open the top and you lean on the bottom. And we would look up into the, the hills where my grandfather, his place was. And my grandfather taught me lessons of life. And one of the lessons of life that he taught me first and foremost, which we also instilled into our three children, is to always say, thank you and please. Thank you and please. We Everywhere we go, we've always instilled that in my kids. And my grandfather always said, you say, thank you and please. Thank you. Thank you for what you do. When I, well, If you ever get around me, and I'll always tell you thank you. If you go see me in a wait, waitress, and they're, they're waiting on me, I'll say thank you. And I'll say, they ask you if you want water. I'll say, because my grandfather said, say thank you and please, because that shows respect. And then he taught me another lesson. He said, CJ, he said, if you respect people, people then will respect you. 
If you respect people, people then in turn will respect you. But you know, the greatest thing my grandfather taught me was how to be a man. He taught me how to be a man, and you know how that was? He taught me how to be a man, and he said these things. He said, CJ, men, listen to me. He said, CJ, you don't always have to win. Did you hear what I said? My grandfather said one of the biggest problems that my father had, his son, was that he always had to win. He was always right, and that was it. And because of he always had the attitude of always having to win, my father had conflicts. And that's why he went through the wives that he went through and all these things. He had conflicts because he didn't know how to reason. He was right. That settles it. That's it. I always, he always had to win. And my grandfather said, CJ, you don't always have to win. Always remember that when you get along with people, people will get along with you if you respect them and love them as who they are. And so today I want to talk to you about some heroes. And Hebrews chapter 11 is the heroes of faith or the heroes of, the, of, of faith or heroes of the museum. You look through there, you can see great heroes. And the Bible says that the heroes that we study or learn about are heroes that have done something great. They have accomplished great things in their lives. And they went from a zero, Sherry, to a hero. And how do they become from a zero to a hero? Well, they became a hero because they were faithful to God. They love God. They serve God with all their heart. And so because of that, they had their place in Hebrews 11, the chapter of faith or the hall of fame or the heroes of faith. They had their museum of all those great people who accomplished great things. If you look in there, you can see Abraham's in there. You can see Enoch's in there. You can see Moses in there. You can see several different great heroes that are in Hebrews 11 because of their accomplishments, but most of all, because of their love and great commitment to God. You see, to get in the Heroes of Faith library, you have to do something great things for God and have a great faith to believe. You see, that's the key. To get into the Heroes of Faith of the library, you have to do some great Great things or great exploits, great things for God. You see, Cheryl and I just recently, and maybe you've seen on Facebook, just recently for the first time ever, I've been to Lambeau Field. I've been to a football game. I've done all these things. I've walked around the whole entire stadium of Lambeau Field. But my whole entire time of going to Lambeau Field, I never had the opportunity to go to the Lambeau Field Hall of Fame Museum. And so Cheryl and I, we went into the, in the, the Hall of Fame Museum, and we walked in there, and as soon as you walk in there, you can tell there's an error about it. I mean, you could tell it's Champion Lane. It's just a spirit in there. The moment you walk in there, it's kind of like it just jumps on you, Jeff, because it's like, wow. You can tell you're in the presence of greatness. And so when Cheryl and I got in there, we first thing we noticed, we, we saw the footballs. And we, they had these little footballs. And all the little footballs, these were footballs of, like this one was Reggie White. And these were footballs of these men that accomplished great things there in the Hall of Fame. And that's why they were there in the Packers Museum. How many of you remember Donald Driver? I loved it when he would jump into the stand. And when I would see some of these things, I'm not kidding you, it brought so many emotions to me, so many, so many memories of watching Donald Driver. And when you're walking, going up the escalators, you walk and you're going up these escalators and you see this whole hallway of all these players and all these different uniforms that each one wore during the different years of Packer history. And it was so cool. And then when you study the words about why was it called 
Packers, and Packers came from a meat packing company, and that's why they got the name Packers, because they were a meat com uh, packing company, and so they, from the meat packing company, they called it Packers, and so when you walk up there and you see the different uniforms, it was so cool, but then what was really cool, they have all these different individual lockers, and the first locker I walked up to was Reggie White, and I walked up to Reggie White's locker, and I read all these great exploits about Reggie White, and they had all these things about Reggie White, and then when I started reading it, it really brought emotions and almost tears to my eyes because I'm getting to see greatness before just not too long ago. Reggie White was the league's NFL sack leader for quarterback sacks. Just recently, he just got passed by another one that just passed him. But Reggie White had all these records, and Reggie White, if you really study the Packers, he's the one that really changed the course for the Packers because he was one that said, listen, I'm going to go to Green Bay where other free agents wouldn't want to go to the frozen tundra because it was a small town. It was cold. I don't want to play there. But Reggie White broke the barrier for free agents to start coming to the Packers. And if you read the history of Reggie White, because he came to the Packers, what happened with Reggie White, he broke that barrier. But that's when you started to see the up climb of Packers and their success. But then right next to Reggie White was Brett Favre. And I mean to tell you, when I saw Brett Favre's, I absolutely lost it. I mean, I, I had tears, and I had to get my Kleenexes out. My wife's taking pictures. I didn't show that one, amen? But, but I, I was reading the things about Brett Favre, and some of those, those, those things that are in his locker I have on my wall downstairs in the parsonage. I have a lot of those mineral beer, the things that right are there. And it really brought tears to my eyes because we're seeing greatness. We're seeing that somebody that succeeded, he has all kinds of passing records, he has touchdown records, he has all kinds of records that that man broke. But just walking into that museum or into the Hall of Fame done something to you. And what it made me feel like, it made me feel like I ate my Wheaties and I had breakfast with the champions. I mean, it just felt great. It was exciting. And then all of a sudden, you walk up to Vince Lombardi, and they have in there the museum the actual desk that Vince Lombardi sat at. And when you walk into this, this desk where Vince Lombardi was, you walk into this room. They have it set up the way he had his office set up. And all of a sudden, it starts talking. And it's Vince Lombardi's voice. And he's doing a, 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 a conversation with a player that he's trying to draft or trying to recruit uh, from free agency. And you're standing there and you feel like you're right in the midst of this conversation. And I mean, it about lit you up. It was so exciting because Vince Lombardi, after all, is named after that Super Bowl trophy. And when you walk in that room where all the trophies are, they have 13 different trophies, four Super Bowl champions that they won, but otherwise the other ones were world champions that they won. And this particular trophy means a lot to Cheryl and I because Cheryl and I were actually at that game in 2011. Here is the actual ticket right here from the Super Bowl that my church, our church, this church, brought Cheryl and I these tickets, and here is an actual NFL. I'll pass it around if you want to see it, but please don't bend it. It's worth a lot of money, okay? Please don't bend it, but this is the actual Super Bowl ticket that Cheryl and I went to in Dallas at 2011, and even I got my wife in a Reggie White outfit. Hallelujah. 
And I mean, it was awesome. But here, you can kind of see it if you want to pass it. Just be careful with it, okay? Uh, it didn't cost that much. Matter of fact, when you see the price, you can ask Dave and Sherry. It was a lot more than that. So, okay, I'll just let you know that. But you know what was so cool about that? What was cool about that was the fact that we got to experience greatness. And not only did we get to experience greatness, but we also won the Super Bowl. And it was so cool when we won the Super Bowl, all the Packer fans ran down to the field and got all, they wouldn't let you on the field, but as close as we can get to where the team was. And the team would go by and it was high-fiving a bunch of the, the, the fans and, and the confetti was going and you felt actually a part of it. That's my team. That's who I am. I'm G for great. See, a lot of people think that the G for G on the helmet stands for Green Bay, but actually what the G on the helmet stands for is great. It doesn't stand for Green Bay. That's the obvious. What happened when Vince Lombardi took over the team, what happened, they were sorry. They were horrible. They were losers. So what Vince Lombardi did, he kept telling them, you are great. You're great. You're great. And so what he did, he took the G and put it on the helmet, and that was always a symbol to remind them that you're not status quo, that you're not average. You are great. So every time you see the Packers and people want to talk bad about them, say no. The G stands for great, and God's signature is on it. It stands for God, and we're going to ride the white horse when he comes home because when I was a Bronco in the Broncos area, and Vance Johnson and Rick Upchurch and Mark Jackson went to our church and gave me all these uh, uh, helmets and the jerseys and all this stuff, I said, Vance, let me remind you that God comes home riding on the white horse to take us home and he's coming for the Packer fans <laughs> Vance didn't like that too much amen but you know the, the point is that it felt great and in Hebrews 11 if you have your Bibles you can see it on the screen it talks about six verses of someone that's great and I want to talk to you about lessons from the heroes who was great and that lesson is this Moses Many of you know the story of Moses. How many of you remember the, the movie Moses? That's one of my first Christian movies that I, I watched when I became a believer, and I didn't even know who Moses was. But after I got done watching the movie, I absolutely knew who he was. But in Hebrews 11, verse 23, it starts this, By faith, Moses' parents hid him from the three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child. How many know that when you were born, you're not just an ordinary child? God takes ordinary. I want you to get this. God takes ordinary and makes you extraordinary. And every one of you, in your eyes, you may feel like you're just ordinary, but God takes the ordinary and makes you extraordinary. And that's what he did with Moses, and he can do with you. The difference between Moses and you and I sometimes is the lessons we're going to learn from Moses here in a moment. And he says these things. He says, and they were not afraid of the king's edit. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. How I many you know that we know that he was sent down the river and Pharaoh's daughter picked him up? And you know the story. And he was growing up in the comforts of Pharaoh's daughter's palace, had all the riches, but that's not what he was called to do. How I many you know that's what he wasn't called to do? And then it goes on to say, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as a greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. 
You see, that's what he was doing. He said, listen, I am going to go forward, and I'm going to forsake the pleasures and things of life. I'm going to walk in faith, and I'm going to get out of the comfort zone. Get this now. I'm going to get out of the comfort zone and start walking in the faith zone. So many times what happens is when we're believers, we got to get out of our comfort zone and start walking in the faith zone. And that means walking by uh, faith and not by sight. Not walking by what feels comfortable, but walking by faith. And by walking by faith, sometimes that may call you to walk out of those things that are comfortable to you. Somebody asked me the other day, I was with one of my former board members at Adventure the other day, and by the way, uh, that was a blessing. I always pray for handfuls on purpose. I always pray for favor, and uh, here I was at Adventure Restaurant, you know, and there was a couple of our families that were there from the church at Adventure Restaurant, and uh, I went to pay my bill, and the lady, the waitress said, uh, your bill was taken care of. I said, thank you, Jesus. And I didn't know who it was, but then my wife figured out it was and said to the person the other day, hey, by the way, my husband wanted to thank you for paying for his lunch. My wife, and she said to my wife, how did he know that? And my wife just assumed it was that person, but she gave herself away. My, she's here today. Thank you for paying for my lunch. Amen. But, but, but the, uh, the board member that, that used to be on board with me at Discover Church, one of the first things he asked me was, he said, uh, Pastor C.J., he said, how was the change or the transition from you coming from the big cities to Siren? I said to him these very words. I kid you not. Harlan, I promise you. I looked at him and I said, hey, listen. When God calls you to a place, it doesn't matter if it's big or small. All God wants you to be is obedient. And out of my obedience, God is blessing us here. And you know what I said to him? I said to him, I love it. He moved to a little small town in Minoc, North Dakota area, that, or in that area for the oil. And he said him and his wife walk every day, and it takes him about 15 minutes to walk from one end of the city to the other end of the city. He said, man, it was a major adjustment. I said to him, I said, you know what my adjustment was? That everything around here in this town closes down at 5 o'clock. I, 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 I just got to go to Sioux Falls, or I got to go to Walmart where it's open 24 hours. Because I do go stir crazy once in a while. But you know what? You learn to adapt. And where God calls you, it doesn't matter. He's going to equip you and prepare you. And I want to tell you honestly, honestly, this is from my heart. Cheryl and I love it here. Absolutely love it here. We really do. We truly do. But listen, these verses are a short description of a man who walked with great faith and trusted in his God. Moses started out from the zero in the eyes of others, but became a hero in the eyes of God. Have you ever wondered how Moses became a hero in the eyes of God? You have these on your notes. What made Moses a hero in the eyes of God? Number one, he loved and he trusted his God. He loved and he trusted his God. No matter, God, where you guide me, where you call me to do, what you ask of me, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to love you enough to believe that you have me in the best of interest. A lot of times what happens when God asks you to do something, what happens is we don't really show our love and our trust because we try to slant it and do it our own way instead of God's way. But Moses didn't question God when he, because he loved him and he trusted God with all his heart. Can I ask you, why is it so hard for us to trust God and to love God? If you want to be written down in the heroes of faith, you have to love and trust God. Yeah, I love you, God, because I know that you have the best of interest for me. Another thing is this. He was obedient to God's word. 
He said, God, your word says it. That settles it. I believe it. I will react to it. I will be obedient. How many know to obey is better than the sacrifice? How many know that Deuteronomy 28 says that disobedience brings curses, but blessings, but obedience brings blessings? That when you are obedient to God, the blessings will follow you as you are obedient to God. But God says, I'm going to test you and see if you're going to be obedient. And out of your obedience, then I will bless you. But so many times we want it the other way around. You bless me first, God, and then I will be obedient. That's not faith. Faith is a substance of things unseen, but things hoped for. God, I will walk in obedience, and as I walk in obedience, then you're going to do handfuls on purpose in my life, just like Ruth did. Ruth went with Naomi, and what happened when Ruth went with Naomi? She should have went back to her own people. She should have went back to her own family, but she chose to go with Naomi, and because she did, and out of her obedience to God, what happened was this, that she followed along, and she lost her husband. She lost all these things, and you know the story she lost all these things but happens is God blessed her because she was obedient and Boaz came into her life how many want a Boaz to come into your life amen and handfuls on purpose came into her life because she was obedient to God. She sacrificed. She gave up everything out of her obedience, and God showed his obedience to her. What else did he do? He didn't care what others thought. You see, that's the step of being a man of God or a woman of God. So many times we want to listen to the voices. I always call them, we always want to listen to the peanut gallery. And the peanut gallery sometimes may not have the best of interest for your life. They don't understand maybe the vision or the calling that God put on your life. You see, can you imagine when Moses left Pharaoh's daughter and when he walked away from the comforts of all that, he had to avoid the voices of the peanut gallery that probably will tell him, Moses, are you crazy? Are you nuts? What are you going to do? Do you know that after Moses left Pharaoh, he was in the wilderness for 40 years tending sheep? Can you imagine that? And he gave up the comforts of Pharaoh's daughter's palace by walking out and tending sheep for 40 days. I mean, 40 years. Can you imagine that? You see, he didn't listen to the talk of others. Number four, he did not trust his own abilities, but God's. You see, a lot of times what he did, he didn't trust his own abilities. He didn't trust his own strength, his own talents, his own giftings. Because after a while, his talents and his giftings and those things will vanish. They'll go away. But God's anointing is what continues to equip you and prepare you to do the task. You see, you run on your own gas. You run on your own talents. You run on your own abilities for a little while. But if you don't can trust in God, in our weakness, he's made strong. God is not by might nor by power, but by your spirit. Spirit, God, things are accomplished. And if you're trying to run on your own abilities and strength, guess what? You're only going to run so far. You need the unction and the strength and the anointing of the Holy Spirit to help you. And Moses totally trusted and believed in his God. In Hebrews 11, verse 1, it says these words, and I love it. It says, now faith is confident in what we hope for. I love that. And what we hope for. I'll tell you, one of my favorite verses is Romans 4, 17. If you have your notes, you can write that down. But it says, call those things as though they were. Call those things as though they were. What do you see? In Jeremiah 1, 11, the Lord said to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, what do you see? And the Lord said to Jeremiah, what do you see? And Jeremiah responded back to the Lord. He said, I see an alm tree. And the Lord said, Jeremiah, you see correctly. What God wants you to do is you have to see through the eyes of faith. Don't see through 
through the eyes of confusion, pain, turmoil that you may be going through in life. Because if you see through the eyes of pain, turmoil, confusion, conflict that you're going through this uh, life, guess what's going to happen? That's going to bring despair. That's going to bring depression. That's going to bring discouragement. That's going to bring defeat in your life. That's why God says, listen, don't look through the eyes of discouragement and despair. Look through the eyes of faith because faith sees beyond the discouragement. Faith sees beyond the hurt. Faith sees beyond the pain in your life. You have to let go and say, God, I don't understand it, but I believe it. I trust you, and I'm going to be obedient to that which you called me to be. So let me ask you, what do you see? Call those things as though they were. Once you see it, you call it. You speak to it. You believe it. And you start walking towards what you see. And so what he says, he says, listen. He said, for the assurance about what we do not see. If you have your notes, listen to this. <clears throat> I love this. Notice the verse starts out with the heroes of faith walking in faith without knowing the whole plan but trusting it will come together. You notice what it says, but not knowing the whole plan. If you study in Hebrews 11, you can see what happened with the heroes of faith. They gave up, they sacrificed, they let go of, and they were obedient to God, not knowing the whole plan. See, sometimes what happens, we want to move once we know the plan, but that's not faith. If you want to get your name in the heroes of faith, you got to be obedient, God. I don't see it. I don't believe. I don't see it, but God, I believe it. I'm going to be obedient. That's what you're calling me to do. You see, that's the cool thing about God. Listen, when you walk in faith, it will move you from the safe zone. Get that? It will move you from the safe zone to the faith zone. In other words, it will stretch you. It will stretch you. I don't know about you, but I have to be honest with you. My, uh, since I moved here, one of the things about moving here was is my Fruit of the Loom waistband is expanding. And I, I think, I'm telling you, Marilyn, man, I'm telling you, she don't just bring me one cookie. She brings me a whole gallon Ziploc bag of cookies. I'm not kidding you. And they call my name, and it's always at nighttime. Why is it at nighttime? Go to sleep with a cookie. And I'm like, stop it. I want to put it outside. I kick the dog. Get that thing out of here. I keep telling Marilyn, Marilyn, don't bring that over. And what she does, she brings a dump truck now instead of one or two. I said, Marilyn, what are you trying to do? But you know what? My waistband expands with my, yeah, this band. Amen. I used to tell my church, remember this, Sherry and Dave? I said when, before when I started working out a Lifetime, I said, I'm moving from the keg to the six-pack. I'll let you know it's never going to come back. You never know that neither, right? You're the keg, you get it? Yeah, you don't know that. Ah, yeah, yeah, right. But, you know, you move from the safe zone to the faith zone. And moving from the faith zone means that you're going to stretch. God's going to stretch you. He's going to stretch you. And if you ever notice after you stretch a rubber band, it doesn't go back to its original form because it's been stretched. And a rubber band never exceeds its purpose if it's not stretched. And that's what God wants to do. He wants to get you out of your, faith, your safe zone, your comfort zone. And he wants to stretch you. And he wants to make your parameters bigger in your life. He wants you to dream bigger. He wants you to expect bigger. He wants you to ask bigger. But the problem is you want to stay in here. And God wants you to say, no, ask. You have not because you ask not. And God wants you to believe for bigger things. I love this. Faith is active, not passive. It's active, not passive. 
that I'm going to activate my faith. Why is James 2.17 said? Faith without works is dead. You can have all the faith in the world, but if you don't put feet under your faith, what are you actually doing? You're not doing anything but exceeding your faith. You're like a water balloon that's getting ready to pop. Because all you do is you're not letting out. And you have to put action with your faith. That, God, I'm going to be obedient, and I'm going to put feet under my faith, and I'm going to start walking out that which you're calling me to do. You see, listen, faith is always active. It is always moving forward. Get that. It is always moving forward. Now, the key is this. It doesn't matter how fast or how slow you go, but just keep moving. Keep going forward. Don't give up. Don't get in a rut. Don't get in the routine. God, stretch me. Let me dream big dreams. Let me do new things for you, God. Let me get out of my comfort zone and become all that you want me to be. God is not limited unless we limit him. How many of you put a lid on God? How many of you have stopped God from doing big things in your life? And what Moses is saying, listen, God called me out of a burning bush, and he took me out of the desert, and he brought me before Pharaoh. And how did I, well, did I do that? It's because God used me because out of my obedience, he began to pour in me. You see, that's what happens. God will never send you into a place where he's not going to be. He will never ask you to do something that he's not going to equip you to do. God wants you to stretch. He wants you to believe. Maybe you're going through a financial situation, and we're going to have a miracle Sunday. And do you remember this, Dave and Sherry? We had a miracle Sunday on finances and for debt. And I'll never forget this, man. We prayed, and we had people bring their debt. And we're going to do this coming up in the next few months because I'm, I'm starting to feel it again to do that bill it's really on my heart and so what we put them before the altars we prayed for those things and before you know it people were getting blessed people were getting money put into their accounts it was unbelievable we did it in grand junction john edwards had ten thousand dollars somebody put into his account he has no idea where it came from but you see, if you got debt, you got to speak to that mountain and say, God, you got to help me. You got to help me. You got to remind God of His word that God, your word said, you will provide all my needs according to your glorious riches. God wants you to remind Him of His promise, just like your kids always remind you of yours. Amen? I, oh, I love that. Listen, Moses started out on the wrong foot, but he changed his shoes. Get that. He changed his shoes and started to walk in faith and a step with God. Moses' burning bush experience changed his life forever. You say, what do you mean, Pastor? In Exodus chapter 3, what an experience that changed his life forever. Exodus 3, 1 through 10. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jericho, his father-in-law. Can you imagine that? What a lowly state out there all by yourself. I don't know about you, but when you go out there by yourself and when you're all alone a lot of times, what does your mind do? Starts playing tricks on you, don't it? Man, you start becoming a paranoid Floyd. You get all worried about this and that. I call you a worry wart, all these kind of things. Man, what happens is because you're all alone. But what Moses did, man, can you imagine? Here he is in the wilderness for 40 years tending sheep. Man, I bet you after a while you get familiar with the sheep. He starts baaing like a sheep. Bah. I bet he started talking to the sheep like that. Bah, go away from there. Bah, walk away from there. Bad danger. Bah. I mean, can you imagine that? They say when you hang out with your spouse, man, for many, many years, you start taking on the image of your spouse. Man, Bill, you and Barbara looking like twins. Call you Barbies. 
You're starting to look better, amen. But you know, they say you start taking on the image of that which you associate yourself with. And can you imagine Moses being in the desert for 40 years with sheep? I was yesterday, Cheryl and I, if, if, I'll tell you something. If you haven't watched this movie, it's amazing. Uh, the Barlaman Circus, I, I forgot the name of the movie, but it's called by Ringland Barlam Bailey, or however you say that. You know the circus guy? Uh, but it just came out, and we, we rented it. And I'm telling you, the music in that, if you don't get excited, something's wrong with you. It, it's a PG movie, so thank you, Jesus. Uh, but it's a great, inspiring movie, and it just came out. And it is awesome. The music in that just had me hopping because I love music. And, uh, but it's inspirational. And the thing is, here's the cool thing. You become what you are always around. And so can you imagine Moses? Here he was tending sheep. He led the flock to the far side of the wilderness, again, in the wilderness, and Herod, the mountain of God. There an angel of the Lord appeared to him flames of fire from within the bush. Can you imagine that? I bet a lot of us would freak out, amen? Freak out. Oh, freak. You don't know that neither. But can you imagine? He probably freaked out. Man, who is this? What is this? Being in the, 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 the wilderness for 40 years, and now all of a sudden this happens? Man, he's already probably hallucinating, probably ate a lot of mushrooms as it was, and now he's going to see this? Moses saw that through the bush was on fire. It did not burn up. Can you imagine that? Now watch this. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to the look, God called him from within the bush. God called him from within the bush. How many have been called by God? I remember my little daughter. Man, she was six years old. I promise you. You ask my wife. We had a revival in Grand Junction, Colorado. I'll never forget. We had Rodney Howard Brown. You know, you guys ever heard of him, Rodney Howard Brown? We had him there. And, and I mean, the spirit of God fell. I mean, my little daughter, six years old, fell on the altars. This is no kidding. Judy, I promise you. And welcome back, by the way. Welcome back. She fell, Carl, on the altar, six years old. Do you know how long she stayed there? Six-year-old little girl stuck on the floor after three hours. Three hours. We finally had to pick her up and take her into my office because the service has been extended and it's already ending. But you know what happened at that day? At six years old, my little girl stuck on the altar, speaking in tongues. The next day, I promise you, Harlan, I'm not kidding you by any exaggeration. She went to brush her teeth. I couldn't tell if she was gargling or what. I thought, you got gargle in there? You got, you know, you got scope in there? And, and God called her into the ministry. Six years old. Guess where she's at today? In the ministry. Let me ask you something. Maybe you haven't had a burning bush experience, but God may have called you a long time ago. And maybe you put that call into hibernation. And maybe God is telling you, step out. I always say you got to step out to find out. You got to step out to find out. And if you don't step out, you will never find out what God has in store for you if you are always in the comfort zone. 
And God, man, called my daughter, six years old, stuck on the floor. Cheryl had to pick her up. And she never lost that call. Can I remind you of something? God's gifts and his callings are irrevocable. And if he's called you, he hasn't given up on you. So don't you give up on him. Some of you may say, well, pastor, I'm too old. God says, no, you're never too old. Look at Sarah when she had her son, Isaac. She even laughed at God, my wound. Yeah, you come to me now after my wound is closed up. And she laughed. Some of you might be thinking to yourself, Pastor CJ, you don't know me. I'm too old for this. You're never too old. God can come in a twinkle of an eye. He can use you in a day's time. He can change it around. Then he goes on to say, he said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. I want you, if you have your Bibles, underline that. Notice what he said? Here I am. You have to make yourself available so God can use you. God doesn't look for abilities. He looks for availabilities. He doesn't look for all your abilities. He looks for the person who is available so he can use them. Because if we go on our own strength and our own abilities, guess what? We're controlling the show. But God says he looks for people who are available, and then he makes you available. He uses you. He doesn't look for your abilities, but he looks for your availabilities. You see, that's what he says, Will. I look for the people that are available so I can use for my glory and for my honor. Amen? Listen, I love this. He said, do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I remember this song. This is holy ground. We're standing on holy ground. Guess what we are today? We're standing on holy ground. Why? Because where two or three are gathered, there he is in the midst of us. And if God is here, this ground is holy. All right? Then he goes on and says, God said, take off your sandals for the place you're standing is holy ground. Then he says, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. But oh, watch this. <laughs> Can you imagine this? A sheep herder. God is calling to stand before one of the most powerful men, Pharaoh. And I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hetarites, Anamites, and Pesarites. And he says, the Hittites and the Jespertites, and now the cry of the Israelites have reached me. And I have seen the way of the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, look at this. Here God gives them all the bad report. Gives them the whole picture. When you read the no newspaper, some of us get paranoid Floyd. Some of us feel like, oh, the world is coming to an end, and we get all worked up. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Can you imagine hearing this from God? And he says, watch this. This is so cool. So now, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. What? Are you kidding me? God, you must, 
you, you, something wrong with you, Lord. Lord, I, I, God, I, I'm just a sheep herder. Now Moses liked the wilderness for 40 days. Keep me here, Lord. Hey, I love this 40-year experience. Don't kick me out of here. These sheep are my best friends. We got sheep talk. We talk to one another. Bad, bad, black sheep everywhere you go. Man, we got it together. God, call somebody else. But you know what? There's lessons we learn. Lessons from the hero of Moses, and i got to move quickly. Each person's life story is written like a risk, in a risk. Like the ones taken and the ones avoided. Isn't that true? The decision Moses had that changed his life was over 40 years. Here's the first experience that Moses had, the first lesson that Moses had. Get this in your heart. Number one, first lesson. Moses overcame the experience of his past. You see, in order for Moses to move from the comfort zone to the faith zone, he had to let go of his past. And the past could be like the weight on the tractor pull that only allows you to pull so far on the tractor. And eventually it pulls you so far that the wheels on the tractor start spinning because you're carrying weights and that weight is your past. I love this. He learned he could no longer go forward if he was always looking backwards. You see, in Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19, it says these words, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness, just like he did for Moses, and streams in the wasteland. But you notice what he said? He said, do not dwell on the past. You see, what you hold on to is all you're going to have. If you're always looking on the past, you're never going to see your future. You ever notice why God made the windshield bigger the bigger than the rear rear mirror? He made the windshield bigger so you can always look forward. In the rear view mirror, smaller, so you're not looking backwards. God wants you to let go of your past. You see, Moses learned that his past could keep him from his future. The second thing that Moses, or lesson that we can learn from Moses is this. Moses overcame the comforts of his present. Wow. Why should I do this? Everything is so comfortable. Why should I want to do that? Hey, man, I'm well taken care of. I have no need. Man, my mom or my stepmom or Pharaoh's daughter takes care of me. I have everything I want at my fingertips. Why would I walk away from that? You see, that shows the heart of where we're at. We will always hang on to those things that make us comfortable. But God may call you to walk out of that comfort zone of your life. He may call you to walk out and say, give it up. You see, listen, you will never experience new thrills, new adventures, the new journey, if you are always staying in the safe zone. You will never experience that. Man, you may get jealous and mad at people. Because, man, why is this happening in their life? Why do they seem so exciting? Why are they always happy? Why are they doing all this stuff? Because you're just sitting back in the safe zone. People always say to me, say, Pastor, you, you never sit still. You know why I never sit still? Because I only have one life to live here on earth. And I want to live it to the fullest. I want to live it to the fullest. When my wife, man, when we moved here and she said, honey, we need to get snowmobiles. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, we need to get snowmobiles. I was scared to death of snowmobiles. Scared to death of snowmobiles. I was staying in my safe zone. You know why I was scared? Because when I was growing up as a kid, maybe you guys remember this. Man, they didn't have trails like they do now. 
and farmers, man, would have the fences up, and people would go, whoosh, and you know what happened? They'd tear up a, a driver. I mean, now we go out like crazy, amen? Don't go with Sherry. She's nuts, amen? I'm going to tell you right now. Don't try to follow her. Don't try to keep up with her. Her husband just keeps staying in the back and praying for her, dear Jesus. And time we get to Lipsies or wherever we're going, Dave is as white as a ghost. I said, Dave, what's wrong? I've been praying for my wife. But you know, the key is, guys, listen, you will never experience that. Another one is this. Moses overcame the insecurities of his future. Look at this. Look at this insecurities. Who am I that I should go? Have you ever put yourself down? Why do you always grade yourself? Hey, you know what I've learned? That in this world, I don't have to grade myself because every day I'm being graded. Every day people are grading me. They either like me or they don't like me. So why in the world am I going to get in that pool of grading myself? I have to be my own cheerleader. You know what the Bible says? That David had to encourage himself in the Lord. You know why? Because David was under assault. He was under attack all the time. Every time you go down your work, how many of you know you get criticized at your job? Your boss tells you, you didn't do a good job. Or the co-worker says, man, she's a loser. He's a loser. He's not doing his part of the bargain. Everywhere you go, people are putting you down. You know, I used to hate it when I was a youth pastor. I would go in, to the, the, man, the schools, and I would sit at the cafeterias with these kids on the tables, with the, uh, around the table with these kids. And these kids, man, the whole time I was there, they were ripping on one another. And you wonder why your kids come home and they're all discouraged and all defeated and maybe angry at you because they went through the whole day getting ripped on. Seriously. I couldn't believe it. It was like, man, will you knock it off? And they're sitting on, man, you're a loser. Man, why are you eating a peanut butter jelly sandwich? Oh, man, what's the matter with you? You got milk on your face. Oh, your hair's all messed up. You ain't wearing the right shoes. You ain't wearing the right show, uh, sh uh, shirt. Every, uh, uh, Harlan, I was sick. And we wonder why our kids come home. But what about you? You know what we, we always do? And listen, please hear me. I, I've learned this vow a long time ago. We go through our miserable day as parents and as adults. But sometimes we forget our kids and what they go through. So what happens is because we went through a bad day, what we normally do is we take it out on them. And then they respond back to us, and then we really get upset. Because the world isn't fair. And we're getting criticized. We're getting put down. We're getting labeled. All these things. And that's why we have to remember, listen, God I can't go. I can't do it. What shall I say to them? But suppose they will not believe in me. Believe me. But I'm slow in speech. You see the excuses that Moses was making? How many of you have done that? We can make excuses of why we can or can't do what God has called us to do. You can make excuses all you want. But God doesn't want you to make excuses. He just wants you to believe. I close with this. Moses' closing statements. Number one, we do not naturally leave the safe zone. It's not a natural thing. It's not a natural thing to want to pull up stakes and leave the safe zone. When Cheryl and I first started in the ministry, do you know how many times we had to move because of youth uh, pastors leaving? 
We took our first church in Merrill, Wisconsin. Cheryl was pregnant with my son, CJ. Man, she was in Minnesota more so than she was in Merrill, Wisconsin, because we carried our insurance in Minnesota. And we were there not even a year. We had to pull up stakes, and we moved upstairs. You should have seen where we had to go back to. You know how they say a dog returns to his vomit? Guys, you have no clue. We moved up above a, in this apartment, above an old radio repair station or radio shop. Right across the street was the fire department. Every night, man, never failed. Our kids were woke up. And I sat there and said, God, what is this all about? I take my next church and go to Watertown, South Dakota. I was there two weeks, and the pastor left. God, what is this all about? I go to uh, Colorado, and after being there in Colorado for 10 months, the senior pastor moves to, to uh, Oklahoma, excuse me, Texas. I go to Oklahoma, and after I go to Oklahoma, man, the pastor pulled out of the assemblies, and I'm moving all over the place. And I said, God, what is it? But God kept me out of my comfort zone. But all along, as he kept me out of my comfort zone, he was providing, he was taking care of. You will never know the faithfulness of God if you are always stuck in the safe zone. You will never know because all you're doing is relying on your own strength, your own ability, and your own resources. You see, listen, growth begins when we leave the safe zone. Wow! That's when growth begins. Man, I didn't know how to handle some of these things, but God made me more mature. He gave me insight. He gave me wisdom. He helped me decide in, in the decisions that I had to make. But you will never know. You will never experience the full measure of growth in your life if you're always saying, hey, God wants to stretch you. In a couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about go find, it's going to, the title of the message, find your lake. And every one of you are going to get something. You'll see. They're already made. Find your lake. Find your lake to go do something for God. Stretch. Expand. Use that fruit of the loom in another way. <laughs> Lastly is this. The safe zone robs you of our greatest moments and memories. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Adventure Church. We here at Adventure Church would really love to hear from you. You can connect with us online. Find us on Facebook and Instagram by using at Adventure Church Siren or check out our website, www.adventurechurchsiren.com.